He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by the Westcott Rapid Box Switch in association with JP Distribution. Isn't it time you made the switch? Do it today at www.fjwestcott.com backslash switch. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hi, and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws with myself, Dave Clayton, and obviously the other half of the dynamic duo, (laughs) Glenn Dewis. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Cool. Yeah, we're back this week. It's just us two this week, and we've got a lot to talk about. Now, we have um, we want to thank everyone for downloading the interviews we've had the past few weeks. They've gone down really well. And we just wanted to have a chat tonight for this week's episode, because we've got a few things we want to talk about. Um, so, yeah, firstly, Glyn, I know this week you've had your you've had a delivery. You've had a PDF delivery. I have. Yeah, because I um, yeah. actually finished the book. I don't know if we mentioned this on the... An, episode where it was just me and you before the interviews but yeah i finished the book the photoshop uh toolbox and rocky nook have sent the kind of like the final layout i am chuffed of it mate you have done a cracking job with all the 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 cover which got some great comments by the way during the webinar yeah. uh, and all the extra stickers that you've put in so there's lots of things that rocky nook have done in this book which are going to make it very different to the other book it's going to be a yeah. lot clearer for people to sort of read because people can download all the files, and sometimes people couldn't find where the link was. You are never going to miss where that link is in this book. All right, really? so they've done a cracking job. They really, really have. Oh, good. Yeah, I know you you uploaded a couple of um, screenshots of what you had. Yeah, and I mean, I'm well pleased with the cover. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. Oh shucks, you know, it's a damn fine cover. <laughs> it's, it's, and I really enjoyed putting together the elements for the book. Yeah, you nailed it, because, mate. You totally yeah. nailed it. And obviously, I watched the webinar. You did a webinar with Rocky Nook the other night, which I think might be available online. And if it it's, is, we'll put um, the link. Th- there were a few technical issues. I think those p- folks who kind of tuned in will know that. I don't. I, I think they've got to the bottom of it. Uh, it certainly wasn't Rocky Nook's problem. It's, I think, to be honest with you, I, I hate to say this because it's bound to cause a bit of a. <gasps> it, I think it was because I'm on Windows. I think. I think the software was a Windows issue because what was happening was um, when I was showing my Photoshop screen. Um, if a panel, if it wasn't docked into the kind of uh, into the workspace, you couldn't see it. So, for example, if I went to goes like file new, and then you get the new dialog box coming up, it wouldn't see that. And obviously, that's very difficult for um, it's very difficult to kind of explain some things in Photoshop when it's all about dialog boxes. Yeah, so true. I think I think Mercedes from Rocky Nook has sent that video out because there was a good Q and A part at the end. Yeah, but the following night, I recorded. Uh, a, a video of all the stuff I was going through on that night. So, and then I've sent it to Rocky Nook, and I know they've sent it out. So, if anybody's listening who did register for that podcast and they yeah. haven't got it, get in touch, and I'll let Rocky Nook know, and then obviously they'll be able to check to see if you'd registered and they can send it out to you. Yeah, cool. Because I sat and watched the comments coming in, and it, what was nice was the fact that um, people were saying oh, that's really cool, I'm going to go and try it. And also they were asking about um, the book. And what was nice was what you don't find in a lot of books was you've got a lot of download material for people to be able to follow along because the book is essentially about layers 
blend modes and brushes. Yeah, it's all it's all what I think is the three main. I, I think I said on the webinar the heart of Photoshop or the core of Photoshop, and yeah. I've always said that's layer masks, brushes, and blend modes. Uh, I, I, and I actually said on the webinar as well that if I could rewind time, this would be the book I would have written first. Because okay. Photoshop, we all know Photoshop can be a complete minefield. You open Photoshop up and it's like, where the hell do I start? Yeah. And the book takes you through. This sounds like a, a commercial, but it's not. I'm just kind of no. explaining. <laughs> it kind of just goes through the lame-ass brushes and blend modes. And it, I'm really chuffed that Aaron from, you know, our, our dear friend Aaron Blaze has done a section in the book as well, all about brushes. That blew me away because he sent a video over and I transcribed it. And I'd yeah. never done one of Aaron's tutorials. And when I did it, I literally, I was on my own in my office. And I kind of went, oh, my God, look at that. Because the result, it, there's like this one slider I moved. And all of a sudden, this this weird-looking kind of thing I'd drawn transformed into a piece of, like, a clump of hair. It was incredible. So that's in the book as well. And yeah. the video that Aaron sent over is included as the download. So you'll, oh, be, able, you'll cool. be able to hear it when the bird hits the window to his office, which actually did happen <laughs> when he was recording the video. Oh, well, no, it's fine to promote. I mean, this is the thing. This is what we do. We, we've both got a background. We've both got something we deliver. Mm. And the podcast is like a vehicle to help direct people to the right kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and, we, and, and we will be coming back to that when you're talking about your first book later. Mm. But before we go into what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, you, a lot of people probably don't realise, or if they follow you on Instagram, you've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. I have. Taking mate. some time out, yep. which a lot of people don't do from the <laughs> daily grind. Yeah. Um. And it was actually quite nice seeing you. I mean, I spoke to you when you got back and you were like, oh, Dave, I slept 14 hours a day. I've, I, and I'm I did. so relaxed. I really did, yeah. Uh, and, and my face, my face was relaxed. It, it is important, Dave. My face actually felt relaxed. The, the holiday couldn't have come at a better time. We, we holidayed in West Wales. Those folks who know me would kind of know for the last God knows how many years, it's always been Devon for us. However, there are a few changes for us. Uh, and we're going to be, oh, there you go, world exclusive. We're going to be moving to West Wales. Um, lots of reasons for it, but there's no compromise with the property that we want to buy, the location, yeah. and what it's going to give us. It's going to give us the lifestyle because my wife, Anne, and me, we're not necessarily interested in things. Mm. What I do and what she does and we're working really hard for is just a life, an experience, yeah. and just just enjoying life rather than just constantly running on that kind of treadmill. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's really important because I know when we've been away and you've like used to look in the mirror and go, "Oh my god, look at my eyes, look at the bags." I'm looking at you now. You haven't got a single bag. Mate, on your mate, we, we we were in Vegas. If you remember rightly, we were in Vegas once, right? Do you remember going to that shopping mall? Yeah. Right. And we're coming up this escalator, and there's a woman on the platform there, and she's you know like those people have those little stalls that are dotted around. They try to call you over, and oh, I've got this wonder cream, right? And you know this obviously because you were there. But we come up this escalators, me and Dave walking together. We go past this stall, and as I as we both walk past, this woman calls at me, not Dave. She calls at me. And the words out of her mouth were, you look really tired. And it was because of the bags <laughs> under my eyes. I'm like, and then you just burst out laughing. Then she put that cream on my face, which was then supposed to kind of like make me look younger. And I think it was like $400. It was, $400. Clearly didn't buy any. But no. then later in the day, you didn't tell me that it had dried out and it looked like I had war paint on. So I'm walking around <laughs> Vegas with like war paint on. 
<laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, but I had a fantastic to... time, got reading. I actually managed to do some reading because normally when I'm at home, if I try and read something that's not photography or Photoshop related, I get one page in and I fall asleep. But I'm reading at the moment, which I highly recommend actually, is the autobiography of, uh, well, no, biography rather. Yeah. Robbie Williams and Robbie Williams is um, for those who don't know I'm amazed if you don't know but he's yeah. a musician singer he was part of and he still is loosely part of a, a boy band from the early 90s called Take That who are still going one of my favourite bands I'm not ashamed to admit that Yeah, uh, and I'm reading his well. biography and it is absolutely fascinating it really is yeah. fascinating I listened to um, in fact you got me to listen to it there's a podcast by uh, a Radio 1 a British DJ called Simon Mayo yeah. and he does a podcast about Book of the Week That's and right. on your recommendation I listened to it and Robbie Williams was on it That's and he was right. explaining about this friend of his ghosted him for a period of time and basically transcribed everything that happened and wrote it with him and this is the book of yeah. kind of the background of his life and he said he was very warts and all and he said there was stuff in there that they told they should have taken out but he wanted left in because he wanted to be honest and open yeah. which is something we will come into later but i know there was a bit in the book you were yeah, telling yeah, yeah, me yeah. you wanted okay. to talk about yeah i've got a i i mean i've got a bookmark but the pages all turned over and everything oh, right okay so there's a little bit here it's not long but i'm going to read this yeah. out so basically part of this book here what i like about it is robbie williams is somebody who's uh yes he's got millions this guy's made it but he's he has got a troubled mind do you know what i mean and he struggles yeah. with confidence and it's all this kind of stuff so when you see him on stage you think how on earth could he possibly suffer from you know a lack of confidence when you see the way he is yeah and what he does is robbie williams has got a website or a kind of like a forum where fans of his all around the world will will directly ask him questions and he will answer them not a team it's him that answers them and i wanted to kind of go through one because i read this one out or read it rather and it yeah. just made me think of the kind of comments and questions that we will get uh, yeah with what we do so this before one, you start just for the people of, of our age from the uk i just want to lead into it with jack and nori jack and nori <laughs> jack and nori this is true it's not jack and nori right anyway so this woman she posts on his blog she goes I have an important question for you. I really admire you when you're on stage. You seem not to be worried about anything. I'm a singer in my own town and I love performing, but I've got stage fright before an exhibition. And when I look at you, you're exactly as I'd like to be. What's your secret? What can I do to be more relaxed and confident? So I thought, well, that's the kind of stuff that we can sometimes get asked. And I've certainly wanted to ask, and I have asked people before, mm. like Joe and Scott, you know, how do you deal with this? How do you do that? How do you do this? And I thought Robin Williams's reply to her was was brilliant and just so relevant. So yeah. if you don't, I'm going to read that out, right? Okay, so yeah, page not, but I'll read it at a normal pace. So he replied, this is a tough one. And it's one that you have to have constant vigilance with. You can lose all the time in the world worrying about this I will bleed that out. Yeah. I lost 20 years. Don't do the same. You don't have to. My voice is not good enough. I don't know what to say. I didn't know how to behave. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I've been there too many times. Whatever, the, whatever you think you are, this is what you'll be. You have to have sent yourself days, weeks, months before the performance. Innately, it is in all of us to climb Everest, to step foot on the moon. To move 80,000 people with one word. To do whatever the f*** we want. It's not for the special few that have been touched by the magic unicorn. It's in all of us. If I had followed the rules and listened to people, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. 
Uh, I'm from Stoke-on-Trent. I have no qualifications. I didn't come from money. I didn't go to stage school and I didn't have any training to be a singer. I really didn't have any special talents. I didn't excel in anything. But I, like everybody reading this, have the light. Only you can plug into your own. You have to find it. I can't find it for you. Neither can your family or your audience. Like I say, you have to find it. Be open to the possibility that it's there. Feelings slip and slide. What you've eaten that day and how much sleep you've had will have an effect. But know this, and you really do know this. You are an immovable force with magic at your fingertips. It's now your choice how you use that magic. If you're reading this and thinking, but it's only me and I'm not big enough or good enough to achieve, then that's exactly what you'll get. Live in the light or live in the dark. You choose. Wow. And I was like, wow. I can feel the tingling down my back now. I was like, flipping hell. That is really powerful, but so damn true as well, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Well, I know in the in the design industry, and I was listening to a podcast today, um, Adventures in Design, and the guy was saying, there was a couple of things they said is... Uh, dress dress the way uh, dress for the job you want to do mm. or produce the work you want to be hired for mm-hmm. so it's not just going to happen if you want the things to happen you you uh, it's up to you yeah. to behave and create the kind of work and things that you want people to know you for mm. and respect you for and, and hire you for and that's really out because one of the things i wanted to talk about today that i'd been thinking about what we we're going to talk about tonight was I was thinking about our friendship and what we've each accomplished over eight years. But more importantly, from my side of things, you as what I call a businessman is you're Glenn Jewish, you're a photographer. You've been many, you've, you've been many things in that world, but you're a businessman. It got me thinking about you didn't just get here. Um, you know, when people say to Aaron Blaze, oh, you know, God, I wish I had that talent. And he says, mm. I drew, I've been drawing for 48 years. Yeah. So looking back over the, the eight years I've known you for, it got me thinking about where people refer to themselves. Um, and like you say, they knock themselves down is I'm just a freelancer. Mm. Whereas I don't like that word. I don't like freelancer. I haven't looked it up in a, in a dictionary to see its true meaning, but I just take it on face value. What I, mm-hmm. what I think, I don't like the word free in it for a start. Mm-hmm. Because I think creatives already get a raw deal in, do it for free, knock it up, just take a take a picture. I think if you're a freelancer, you're actually a small business owner because you're running your own business. And when I think back to when I met you eight years ago with your lime green logo or your your, <laughs> yeah. pa- your pastel green logo, that was so bad. and and what and what the kind of work you were doing is, yeah, there's been a big change, but that change has taken eight years to get from that point to here so I had a couple of questions I sort of wanted to ask you for the listeners because a lot of people won't know who you are um, and there's some people who do but not everybody knows a lot of the things that you've done to get where you are today Mm -hmm. so if you don't mind (laughs) I want to kind of pick your brains a bit about (laughs) about your business and ask you some questions about things that are relative like in any world it doesn't have to be photography okay um and one of the things, obviously, going back to when you started, was you were Glenn Jewis photographer, yeah. and you've said before it was well, you had a camera, so you'd shoot anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you remember like the first kind of break you had when you were stepping into I'm going. This is going to be my career. This is going to be my full time thing. Uh, okay, so 
Yeah, I, I guess I could name one thing, and I think we we briefly touched on this before we actually recorded, didn't we? Is this the um, like the, the horse thing I mentioned? Yeah. About? Right. Okay. So this was my first. It's actually when I first started, and I, I can't believe over all this time when I have been interviewed and when I've done like magazine articles, I've actually omitted to ever mention I did this, and that's I've never heard I, it before. I completely forgot about it. Um, and that is that when I first got my camera, a Nikon D200, which I absolutely loved, loved the sound of it, which is a bit geeky, I know. Um, but I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Not a clue. So I was reading, I was watching everything I could. I couldn't get anybody to sit in front of my camera. You know, my wife certainly wouldn't because, understandably, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to take my picture. Um, so I thought, well, what can I do? So what I did was I started going to horse riding events. And I've got no connection with horse riding whatsoever. I would go to what they call equestrian and dressage yeah. events. So what I did before I went there, I, I went on to like the a DIY hardware kind of website and I ordered a fluorescent tabard. And on that tabard, you could have some kind of like printing done. So I had on the back, across the back, between the shoulder blades, yeah. Glyn Dewis, and underneath that, photography. And that's all I had. And I wasn't in business at all at the time. I was just starting out. I was trying to work out what the camera did. So um, I put this tabard on, and I remember I started to go into these like dressage events, which is where, you know, people who've clearly got quite a bit of money, they take their horses and they go into this kind of like arena and there's like a circuit that the, the horse and rider have to go around and yeah. it's the way they dress, the way they walk and all this, the way they present themselves. And I would photograph them as they're moving. I'm trying to work out how do I photograph moving objects? Oh my God, look how dark it is in here. What's that thing called ISO I need to use? And I, I literally yeah. was trying to learn that particular way. Every now and again, I'd have somebody tap me on the shoulder and say, oh, have you got a picture of that girl on the horse there? I said, oh, yeah, I have, yeah. And I'd show them back of the camera. And they'd give me their email address. And I would then send them a digital file. And yeah. on the, while I'm there, they'd give me a fiver, you know, five pounds. <laughs> and I'd put it in my pocket. And I'll, I'll make sure I'll definitely send it to you. And that's what I did. But I remember this one time, I'm taking pictures at this arena. And I've got my tabard on with my name on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as I'm taking pictures, I hear this woman from the back going, because there was like a grandstand behind me. She's going, Glyn, yeah. Glyn, Glyn. I think, well, nobody here knows me. I'm on my own. Glyn, Glyn. I turn around, and there's this woman, and she comes down to speak to me. And I remember her name, Julia Sharp, lovely woman. And she says to me, do you do any other kind of photography? And to save face, I've gone, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, I didn't know that you shouldn't really be doing everything. You know what I mean? So yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I do, yeah, I do, I do all sorts. And she goes, well, my son's got a bar mitzvah coming up. I didn't even know what one was. I had to look. <laughs> um, it's got a bar mitzvah coming. It's an event over three days. Could you? Could we arrange to kind of meet and talk about this? So we exchanged details. I went to see her. Mate, They were these people had serious money. I turned yeah. up at their house. The road they lived in in North London was where all the footballers would be living. Massive right. houses, you know, electric gates and stuff like that. So I drove down to the house, Aston Martin out front of the house and all this kind of stuff. Go into the house. We sit down. She talks about it, what the event is. And I'm obviously going, yes, we can. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And, and she goes, okay, so let's talk about money. And I goes, okay, so um, what's, you know, not knowing, I don't know how to charge. So, so what's your, what's your um, what, what were you thinking? What was your budget? And I'll see if that kind of meets what I'm thinking. I yeah. wasn't thinking anything. <laughs> and she goes, um, well, we're maybe thinking because it's three days, six and a half thousand pounds, something like that. And I had to kind of, I was almost like that bloke on what the Christmas Carol when he's got the thing holding his jaw up, you know what I mean? The yeah. ghost. And I was like, mm -hmm, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can work to that. Yeah, we can work yeah. to that. So I ended up, that was my first 
ever client and the only advertising I've actually ever done, which was with that name across my back. So that what was did kind you of... learn from that event? Obviously, that's a, that's a lot of money on your shoulders. Yeah. What what did you come away from that event with? Did you did you do a good job? Did you? I did a really good job. And you know what? And I, I the the her husband whose name I can't remember. I remember when I actually because I was really happy with the pictures because mate, I studied and practiced like you would not believe beforehand. Yeah. Um, and I had my you mate, mean having a nice camera didn't just do the work for you? No, that button hadn't been released. That button. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I had my mate, model. my mate Barry, my mate Barry Payne, he helped me. Uh, he helped me hold a speed. He was holding a speed light for me and stuff like that. Because I thought, oh right, David Zeiser. He was the guy I was looking at. It was David Zeiser's tutorials, how he does his weddings and how does he hold the speed lights. And so I copied all his stuff. And yeah, I was really pleased. And and the, the husband, when we sat down and showed him all the pictures, he said. Do you know, I've actually worked with Annie Leibovitz in America. And he says, I think, you know, for this kind of work, I think you're up there. And I, yeah, right. Yeah. You know I, mean? I came out there feeling like seven foot tall. Do you know, I felt fantastic. The fact that they were happy, I'm mean, yeah. saying it to be nice, but wow, I was so pleased. So that was the kind of a big turning point for me. I learned a lot from it. I learned about confidence. Yeah. I had to appear confident. And it's very much relates to that Robbie Williams thing I've read there. Because he's somebody who suffers with serious kind of issues with regards to lack of confidence. Yeah. But he has to behave as though he is confident. And that's what I had to do. Because if I started to look stressed, here's these clients who are paying all this kind of money. What the hell are they going to be thinking? Yeah. You know, this huge once-in-a-lifetime event for their son and our photographer's looking stressed. Oh, my God. So I had to, I had to learn how to mask stress. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but what you're I was so buckets and all your, your I, shirt was stuck dripping. I, I didn't have any of the like, the Under Armour clothing to wick away the sweat or anything. <laughs> so I learned not to wear light blue shirts. Um, but that 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 was a, a huge learning curve. Um, although I did a great job, it then prompted me that I need to be in business because obviously then I was taking some money and I didn't yeah. want people to start questioning, oh my God, where's that money going? Do you know what I mean? Is he registered to do it? all that? So that's one yeah. of the reasons. But I also learned to not run before you can walk. So although it was a great job and I managed to pull it off, more by luck than by skill, I would say, at that particular time in my photography career, if you yeah. like. Um, but I learned not to run before I can walk. Yeah, because I do remember you saying very early on was when you had your got, got well, another big client was that story about you had put that you could do everything yeah, and the client wouldn't hire you because you didn't have a speciality. Yeah, that was Air New Zealand, wasn't it? Because yeah. I, and it wasn't me that actually put myself forward for that. It was a friend of mine who knew somebody who worked at Air New Zealand and he showed them my portfolio, which at the time was just everything and anything. Yeah, uh, I was try I thought I had the mentality then that surely if I show I can do all this stuff, then that'll be better for me. I since learned that wasn't necessarily the case. So he put my uh, portfolio forward because Air New Zealand, obviously huge clients, were having a uh, worldwide campaign. I didn't get the job, but I'm the kind of person that if something doesn't necessarily not not, not go my way, because I'll be honest with you, if I'd have got that job at that time. I would have been way above. I'd have been way out of my out depth, depth, completely yeah. out of my depth. So it worked out well in hindsight that I didn't get it then. But I asked them why didn't I get it, and now they didn't say it wasn't because the quality of your work at all. What they said was, "We're looking to hire a portrait photographer." 
That's what we need. We need somebody who special. And this is a client saying this. We want somebody yeah. who specialises in portraits. But I see that you do food, babies, horse dressage, uh, weddings, and all this bar kind mitzvahs. of stuff. Bar mitzvahs. <laughs> you do all this. You're kind of like the jack of all trades. We need somebody who specialises in because this is a big campaign. Yeah. And completely and utterly understood it. And then about 18 months, two years later on, I then, because I kept in touch, I knew yeah. they had another campaign coming out where all their crew were having a whole new uniform outfit worldwide. And I submitted my portfolio and I got the job. Yeah. And the reason I got the job was because I'd stripped all my portfolios away. And this was advice that Zach Arias gave me when I spent some time with him at Atlanta. Mm. And he says, get rid of all of that. This is your strong point. Portraits. Only have Portraits. Yeah. You can don't get rid of your other stuff. Just put it somewhere else. But if you want to get this kind of work, only show it. And that's why I got the job. Yeah. Now, interestingly, you've just spoken about your beginning as a photographer. You had Glyn Jewish photography on the back. You got your bar mitzvah. You had the experience with Air New Zealand. But yet the, the beginning of your career, when I first met you, you were actually the Photoshop guy. Yeah. So what made you kind of go down that path because you have seen your work and knowing you for all that time i think for the kind of work you were producing you had to be a good photographer because you were using your own photography to teach retouching but and we will talk about the shift like the thing that made the shift but what made you suddenly kind of get into the groove of photoshop was it was there more work there did you enjoy it more i just or- mate, i just enjoyed it i i always i'd always enjoyed computers and uh, it just so obviously Photoshop, it's on the computer, and I just felt at home with it. It was fun. You know, when I first yeah. started out, I was doing funny posters for friends, you know, swapping heads and all this oh, kind of stuff that, yeah. and, and making fake posters. Uh, you know, I'd get people who'd approach me saying, oh, you know, where we're working, we've got a guy who's leaving to go and do something else. Could you do a poster about him? Obviously yeah. not for money, but oh yeah, well, tell us all about him. What does he do? Oh, he likes this, he likes that, and he thinks he's Rambo. And I'd do funny posters. So yeah, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. So um, the photography, really, that kind of came into it because I thought, well, I need my own pictures for a start off. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really making much, I wasn't making any money from Photoshop. That came later on purely because of um, an event that Adobe held. Uh, a live week event filming in London, which I was in, which I became part of. Yeah. Then I started making money from Photoshop, but obviously things have turned around since then as well. Which is where you met David McClelland. It is where I met David McClelland, the voice of our intro, David McClelland. Yeah. So on the Photoshop thing then, because obviously when I like first met you and uh, I was like when I first modelled for you, yeah, yeah, and you were doing the workshops and you were doing the character compositions and uh, and a lot of that kind of work. What for you was kind of the shift moving away from that? I mean, I know what the answer is, but for you to explain it to other people, what was the turning point there? Okay, so uh, I kind of know what you mean there. It was, why did I move from the Photoshop to then more becoming known for the photography, which is what I yes. think I think the kind of position yeah. I'm in now. All right, so my, my feelings with that were, um, Photoshop, I love, absolutely love Photoshop. Um, how can I kind of explain this really it was more a case of I knew I, I was known for the Photoshop I remember one time I did a I did a workshop up in the north of England with a guy called Kieran I think you remember Kieran um, yeah. and I remember doing a, a workshop up there and 
that was uh, my I think it was my first introduction to the folks at Ellingcrom because we yep. went to Ellingcrom Kieran knew the guys there and they gave us all the kit to use on this particular workshop in a boxing arena fantastic really enjoyed it and at the end of the workshop, I'm speaking to the guy who owns Ellingcrom, and I said to him, you know, I've always wanted to work with you, because I was using my camera then. And he says, well, we've never approached you, because we just thought you were the Photoshop bloke. And I was like, oh, inside, I was like, ah, oh, damn. Do you know what I mean? I, was, I, yeah. I felt like I was limiting myself. So that was one, certainly one thing. The other thing was that I noticed that as time was going on, there were third-party companies that were coming onto the scene that were producing plugins for photoshop yeah and bear in mind you know when you're teaching photoshop you're not teaching necessarily people who are going on to be you know people who work at pixar and all these you're you're teaching regular folks you know that's your mass audience isn't it the mass audience doesn't necessarily want to know all the intricacies of how to use photoshop they just want to be able to tell how can i take these pictures i've made on took on holiday how can i make them look good yeah. So I would show them techniques, but then these third-party plugins were getting people, average people who use cameras, it was getting them to where they wanted to be within two or three clicks, these yeah. plugins. So my feelings were, these plugins are going to develop, and we're seeing that now. You know, There's some incredible plugins out there that are getting most home users, if you like, where they want to be. Yeah. So I thought, I want to be in this for the long term. I want this to be part... I want this to be what will give me and Anne the lifestyle that I want. I want it to give me the freedom that I want um, with my life and stuff like that. I want this to be a business. So what do I need to do? I need to I need to get my ass in gear with the photography. So I'd always wanted to write a book. It just so happened that I, uh, I got the deal with Peach Pit. I did the first book, the Photoshop Workbook, which is still selling really well, it's, which yeah, I'm amazed. It's a bestseller on Amazon. It's absolutely Love that book. Don't be amazed. It's a great book. <laughs> Cheers. Great cover. Great co- <laughs> I knew you were going to say that then. <laughs> but that book then, it was kind of like, I, it was a conscious effort for me. That was like a line in the sand for me, that was. I thought, right, now that book's been released. Once that book was out there, now it's time to kick my butt into gear with lighting and really focus on the photography because I want to be in this long term. And for me, yeah. that's where, and it's not a rude word to say it, that for me is where the money is in the photography side of things. That's the yeah. it's going to get me in front of the clients that I want to work with. So that that was that was definitely a turning point for me, and and I'm glad that happened because at the moment I have never the way I feel at the moment. So I think I said this in one of the episodes going way back. I have never. I'm certainly not where I want to be in life with my skill level and position and stuff like that. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. That's just the way I am. Yeah. But the way I'm at the moment, I have, today I have never been happier than what I am now with the kind of work I'm producing. I know I can get better. I have to get better. But at this very moment in time, I am where I, I'm, I'm very happy with it. But every time I produce a new picture, I know that the next one's got to be better in some way. And that is possible. It doesn't yeah, have to on- be the lighting. It could be the story it's telling or whatever. Yeah, I can see you're on the path you've taken a little while to get to and you've kind of I can see the path you're heading I I I mean I obviously see you constantly learning and the enthusiasm you show when you've learned something and Photoshop is still a big part of what you do Mm. but you know this it's almost like you took a full pivot and after that book you completely went on to photography which is yeah I think you're I think you're great at Photoshop I think you're a great photographer I think you've got a nice balance and 
seeing your photography work and the amount of time that you've been put into not only learning different styles because you are still learning but you're sharing what you learn yeah as well which has been a part of your business as well and like we say we shouldn't apologize for making money from what we do but that sharing dave that sharing has been part of my growth yeah do you know what i mean by me sharing it's made me need to get better and constantly looking to improve because if I'm only staying at the same level, I share that. Or what do I share next? Yeah, do you know what I mean. There, there has to be something. I mean, the other day, I think I posted on his own story. I mean, one of my kind of, although he's a great friend of certainly both of ours, uh, but somebody I've always looked up to is Joel Grimes. You know, yeah. what I mean, and Joel's been around the industry as he said on the, the podcast. He's been in there for forty years. I love what Joel does, not just his work, but I like his 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 outlook and his approach to business and stuff like that. So the other day, I posted. I, I was literally sat in front of my computer while I was waiting for the car to be serviced, and I'm headphones on, and I'm watching because I'm part of the Joel Grimes' um, academy that he's recently set up, and I'm watching Joel Grimes' classes, and he's going through lighting. Some of it I know. Some of it, I'm, there's always something I'm going to learn from Joel. So I'm always yeah. looking to learn. Do you know what I mean? Always looking to learn. Yeah, I think if you stagnate, if you stop learning, you think you know everything, you will stagnate. And and I, you know, I know I've seen people in the design industry, and I think it's more of an older thing than a younger thing. Is people get do can get stifled by themselves and be well. I've I've learned what I need to know, and that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, but, but then that's just recipe for disaster. If you're happy with that, then then great. But I don't believe anybody is ever happy where they are everybody who wants to get better of course they do do you know what i mean you always want to be see how much you can improve and stuff like that um it's like i said in the gym there's always somebody bigger or somebody stronger so yeah. it's great it's great to be confident about what you do and 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 how you're developing but if you've got the mindset there's always somebody bigger always somebody stronger that alone will push you to keep getting better yeah and also something else that we're talking about here is obviously you know, there's a lot of people who do it as a hobby. Mm. There's a lot of people who do it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people who do it as a, as a business. Mm-hmm. Now, I've obviously, like, worked with you and we've worked on things together. So I know how you've started to piece your actual business together. Mm-hmm. So rather than it just being, like, Glyn Jewish photographer, you're Glyn Jewish photographer, author, instructor, marketer. You know, you've pieced together pieces of your business over time, mm. but you've also spent a lot of time developing, learning, trying, failing, trying again. And you've now, you know, you've got an online store, you do tutorials, you've got an email list. So tell us a bit about how you pieced that together and how important that's been in terms of like passive income, I guess is probably the best word for a that lot of That is exactly it. So royalty-based or passive income-based kind of uh, business. Because one thing I know that I didn't want to have was I didn't want to be a slave to my business. Number one, I've got to enjoy it. No matter what I'm doing, I have to enjoy it. And I, like I said, I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm doing. Nowhere near where I want to be, but I'm loving it at the moment. Yeah. But I didn't want to be a slave to it. And that's kind of um, because if I become a slave to it, that's going to feel laborious and that's going to come across in what I do and people are going to sense that. So that's important. That's not the case. What I wanted to be in a position of, and again, it's something I'm still working on now, is that if I can't step away from my business for three months, if I say to Anne, right, we're going to go and travel for three months. I'm not going to do any work for three months. 
if I can't survive for three months, and I'm not talking about living off my savings, yeah. I'm talking about while I'm away, if money isn't being made, then I'm doing something wrong. And that's my yeah. opinion. So my goal is always and has always been to create multiple streams of income. All right. Yeah. So yes, there's the photography. You get the clients. Now that can almost be, you could almost say that's like a passive income because then you're going to get word of mouth referrals. So you do a great job. You under promise, over deliver. You do a great job. They're going to talk to somebody else. So that can itself almost become a passive income because it kind of self-perpetuates and people recommend you and so on and so forth. Yeah. That is not the bulk of my business. It's part of my business. The other part of how I make money is by books, royalty commissions, which don't come in every month. Some uh, Peach Bits, I think, comes in every quarter. Rocky Nooks, every six months. Yeah. So my idea is I'm I'm working hard to develop a number of books because then you have multiple royalty coming in from those particular books. YouTube, you know, you make an income from YouTube. YouTube's a funny one because, you know, I've I've kind of had a bit of a relationship with YouTube for a few years. I got to the stage when I was doing videos every single week and I was loving mm. doing that. I was doing the live broadcasts and I am going to be doing those again because I've had people asking me what's happening with the YouTube broadcasts. But I started to feel like a slave to YouTube. And YouTube just seemed like, it seems like some kind of competition going across the whole platform. There's no, there's loads of people doing Photoshop tutorials and stuff like that. But it just seemed to be a competition. Who could come up with the, the name of the tutorial that's going to get the most hits or yeah. the wackiest kind of thing to do? And I just didn't want to be part of that. So I kind of had the opinion of, look, it's not quantity, it's quality. And yeah. this is only for me, this is. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna get into the habit of saying I release a tutorial every Wednesday, regardless. Because excuse me, if it was just me doing that every single Wednesday, I the quality of my tutorials would go down. So I've taken yes. the stance that if I'm gonna put out a tutorial, and I will be recording one tomorrow actually, it's because I've got a great tutorial now, I'm gonna record that. It's the time is right for me to record that. And yes, I am gonna be doing more my YouTube channel is gonna change. Hmm. Uh, to have more behind the scenes of what I'm actually doing. I want it to almost be like you're on my shoulder, you're following me around, this is what I'm doing. I want you to be with me as I'm going through the process. And that's the kind of videos that I want to be producing. I don't want to be sitting here thinking, right, how, what next trick can I come up with in Photoshop? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be no. a trickster. Do you know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. I could, because you got me onto obviously you doing your landscape projects, which yeah. is something you, that you're learning, which isn't necessarily something you'll make money from, but no. it's part of your learning process. But you've now got me watching Thomas Eaton and Peter McKinnon, and and their channel isn't right today. I'm going to show you how to photograph a tree or photograph a lake. They're actually behind the scenes. This is the story of today. This is an experience. I'm sharing it with you. And, and there's back and forth. You know, they're, they're asking the audience questions. Now, going on to the workshop side, what we, we've talked about workshops before, and you now do online tutorials. One of the ones that, for me, probably after the, I know the Home Guard was, but Rosa, um, which came out a little while ago, I know how much time you spent on that. So can you explain? I mean, I know we're talking about you and not everybody's going to be able to do the things that you've done, but everyone is capable of doing the things you've done. And I've said to a lot of photographers and designers, you know, you might be a great photographer, but just somehow your business model isn't getting you income from photography, but you can teach and you can share. So 
the tutorials you've released, particularly Rosa, is I know took you what eight months. To I think it took eight together? months from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was the process with that, and why? And you, because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, when are you going to release it? Because every time, every day you don't release it, it's, it's not earning you money. But mm. now, when it's finally released, I understand why. Yeah. So just explain why we see a lot of people rush content. Yeah, we we do see a lot of people rushing content out and you see that the way that they that content is is released out to the public and you kind of know that I really don't think that's going to have much of an impact for them because of the way it's been released. Um the Rosa one took me so long to do and the Rosa one kind of built up really because months before Rosa was released I was doing the kind of pictures that I'm doing now and I was showing a particular style. I wasn't changing. Every photo shoot I was doing wasn't a different kind of thing. I was developing that particular look. So it made people want to say, look, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? Now, because of the reactions I was getting to the pictures I was producing at the time, it kind of, it literally, it just spoke volumes. People want to know how to do this. So rather yeah. than me saying, second guessing, I'm going to do this for people, people were telling me in not so many words, I want to know how to do this. So by all the questions I was getting, so this is what I'm going to record the tutorial on. So it was a case of, right, this is what I want to do. Uh, and then it was looking at, right, how am I going to do this? Well, I'm not just going to go and do it around, the, you know, do it in one day and then I'll edit it the next day and put it out there. I want to get the best quality I can get from this. So thankfully, friend of ours, Frank Dorhoff, he was happy yeah. to help me out. So I, f I paid to fly over to Frank's and stayed there for a couple of days in a hotel. I paid for the model. Uh, we did the filming in the studio, came back. And then I started to edit the videos and there was multicam. I wanted it to be really, you know, good quality. Frank did an amazing job for me, gave me the raw video footage, which I edited all that. Yeah. Once you I learned Premiere Pro I learned well. Premiere Pro because I wanted to learn, I wanted to put a best quality product I could put out there. Um, so I did all that. And then once that had all been put, to, put together, you could then say, well, you could release that. There's the videos about the photography. And, excuse me, and then you've come back and you've edited the picture. There you go, this is your tutorial. But I, I kind of want, I want to put myself in the position of the person buying this. What, what else would I want to be in there? So that's mm. why I started to include things like every single video was transcribed. There was a PDF in there that explained the whole process from start to finish with lighting diagrams. There was an index. There was extra videos I recorded for extra tutorials. Once the product had been released, a week later, people who purchased it then got sent something else. But the important thing about the whole process was, and this is something that I learned, even though I was putting the whole tutorial together, I didn't assume this is what everybody wants. Yeah. I, would then, I then emailed everybody on my email group and said, look, this is what I've nearly finished. What else would you think should be in there? What would you like to see in there? Now, some of the suggestions weren't possible, but I wanted to make sure that what people were saying they'd love to have was going to be in there. Because yeah. then, when that's finally released eight months later, and you know, you know, it's not a dirty word to say I made money on it, because I did make money on it, and I'm really happy with the money that's made, and it's a passive income from that because it's in the store. Yeah. But I can sit here very comfortably saying that because I know I put my heart and soul into that, I want to make people feel that what they're getting, they're really happy with it. They've learned. There's nothing better. And I don't care how cheesy this sounds. There's nothing better when you get an email off somebody saying, I brought that. I'm really happy with it. I've got a thank you folder in my emails. I keep yeah. all these thank I keep every single thank you email. And from people saying, I love what you did. I can't believe the price of it. So I brought this one as well. Yeah. And it's like, you, wow, thank you very much. But that's the thing. You, you, you over-delivered. 
which was great, but you gave value for money. I think the price that you, you put it at made it A, affordable, it gave value for money, and also it was it was at a price where if you went and bought bought it, like I know if I went and bought something for, say, 50 quid, if it teaches me something that I can make the next time I, I use that tip or trick, I make 50 pounds, it's paid for itself. It's like, you know, for me as a designer with resources or anything, and even Aaron Blazer said it, you know, he puts all these courses together, but he makes them affordable for everyone because the, the more the more that you can get that course out there, the more feedback you'll get, which helps you drive. And that's just common sense, isn't it? For me, it just seems like, why why wouldn't I do that? Why would I limit yeah. myself to a certain audience? And then I'm sure there'll be people that disagree with this, but I'm in this for long term. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, I want to make sure that when people buy something that they really feel like, wow, do you know what I mean? I'm, I yeah. can't believe I've got all this for that. They're going to come back. It's, yeah. it's just, it's human nature. They're going to come back. And if you'd done it for, I don't know, £600, people will be pirating the crap out of it. And yeah, it I destroys it, your business. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one thing else you mentioned there, which was you were saying about you were getting feedback and you touched on your email group. Mm-hmm. Now, that's been quite another key thing that I remember when we were first starting looking at it, how we wanted it to grow. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about what the change you made in that that's made a big difference for you. The change, the change I made to my email group was, uh, I think it's fair enough to say that it's so damn annoying when we just get bombarded with crap in our email box. I mean, thankfully, that GDPR thing, which actually yeah. created more emails at the time, <laughs> uh, that has thankfully really thinned out my emails that come through now, which is great. But what I, I the way I approached it is, look, I want, I know that an email list or a subscriber or whatever is that that is kind of like my that's my business okay that's my business so if i was one of these people who'd signed up what would i want and what wouldn't i want well what i wouldn't want is an email that looks like a marketing email and that's just me it just turns me off straight away put i had mate i had one today right i had one this morning i had an email that came out marketing email from a company uh, I, it's probably best I don't mention the company's name. Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, it's, it's, the email said, hi. Okay, so straight away I think, okay, they don't know who I am. Hi. The next line is, we've just taken a look at your portfolio. Absolutely love your pictures and what you're doing. We're a company who specialise in blah, 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 blah. We'd really like to work with you and blah, blah. And it's like, nah, this is clearly a marketing email. So I replied back. I actually did reply to this marketing email and says, hello there. Unfortunately, as this isn't personally to me, despite you saying, and I quoted, we've just taken a look at your portfolio and love what you're doing, uh, this is a mailing list. Uh, It's not personal, not interested. Thank you very much. And then bizarrely, this afternoon, I actually got a reply from a real person saying, Glyn, and actually wrote on the first line, Glyn, Glyn, twice, this is such and such from company. We have spoken before. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean it to come across like that. I know it comes across as marketing, blah, 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 blah. So my point there is I I have a mailing list, which is really important to me, and it's really special to me, and I treat it like pen pals. Now, people who receive the emails, I would say that most people know that it's coming as part of an email list. Yeah. But I know that a lot of people have to stop and think, is it? And that's because of the way that I've done it. There's no branding. It should look like a normal email. And little things like, you know, people like their name to be used. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? So when I've had people sign up before, when I would get people to kind of join my email list and they'd get an ebook and stuff like that, when I first started doing it, you would only have to put your email address in. So when you got an email from me then later on, it would say, hi, and then go into the body of it. And I didn't like that. So every time I, from that from that particular group, I get people replying back to me and I'd see their name at the bottom. So I would go into my mailing group and I'd change it and I'd put their first name in to make it a bit more personal for them. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. felt like I was emailing them. And then I did change it so that when you actually did join my email group, you would put your first name in. It's important. It's their name. Uh, and I will, you know, I, if I sent out 10 emails, one of those will have something to buy. The rest of it is I genuinely want to develop a relationship and have longevity with these folks. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's all about. Yeah, and I know you've had, and I've seen them as well, is you've had people reply to you because they think they've genuinely got an email yeah. from you. Yeah, they do. Which, yeah. which is nice because you're talking to that one person. It's when people go, hey, guys, what's up? What's happening? It's... You're not talking to a collective. Mm. You're talking to an individual. So they, we, you know, when I get that email, because I get your emails and and I go through it and see what you're saying, and it's so different to all the other emails that I get because you're right. It's very generic. Hi guys, what's up? How you doing? Unanswerable questions. Um, but I know you get a lot of responses when I you do, say I do get I do get replies uh, from people, and I will reply to them. I genuinely will reply. And, you know, you do get people saying, oh, blimey, I didn't know you'd reply to me. Wow. Or you get people saying, I don't expect to get a reply from you, but... And I will reply to them. And, yeah, there's a lot of work involved in that. But, you know, it's... So but that's what? a part, that's a part, part of, of what your, I do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're not the first person to do it. You won't be the last person to do it. But you found a way that suits you. You have to put yourself in a position of being the re- the, one, the recipient yeah. What would I feel like if I got that? And there's nothing worse than just having somebody saying just small talk, small talk, small talk, and then just bombarding you with sales stuff. I'm not interested. That that's yeah. gonna be the that's gonna be the biggest turn off for me. This is all about relationships, isn't it? Exactly. And you're still learning. So totally. Yeah. You're you you know, you're gonna be learning from the people who d- deliver that to you. Yeah. And deliver that that to us. So yeah. The fact that you're constantly learning and reading books and looking at people and signing up, it's important to have that because the world has changed. You know, like you said, back in the day, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. There's a lot of ways to communicate now and you can become bombarded with Mm. it. But I think that's for a lot of people listening. If you're at that stage of your business where you're kind of, you've taken that next step, Mm. not going to say next level, (laughs) um, but you've kind of ramped it up a little bit that these are some of the things that don't happen overnight you know you've had to build your list and it's taken a while and it's still building you know you're still developing it i don't like this um this competition thing and this this constant kind of slavery that seems to be that people are slaving themselves over youtube i've got to create this i've got to do that i've got to do this i said i'd do it every day no you don't have to do it every day the business you've got to enjoy doing what you're doing haven't you you have to enjoy it so and um, some of the stuff you do doesn't necessarily have to be making you money and i know you know both of us do things that don't make us money but that we it's part of our self build it you know it's part of our learning program and this podcast you know is a perfect example we started this in february over a should we have a go at it because we talk to a lot of people. We have a lot of information that we'd love to share with other people yeah, yeah. that help them. And now we're, you know, 31, 
30, 31 30, episodes 30, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, half of which have been interviews with, with some great guests. I know I've learned a lot from it. But this has been great um, as well, though, mate, because it's made us speak to each other even more. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We are in constant communication now, and I love that. That's because so many folks would think that, oh, you and Dave, you've known each other for years, and you must see each other all the time. Little did people know, sometimes we could go three, four times in a year. Yeah, do you know what I, I mean? Think, Crazy. I think the minimum was about three or four one yeah. year, and I, th- I think even the maximum's only been about six or seven. Yeah. So it- this alone has 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 been brilliant for us, absolutely brilliant for us, and it's just great that some you know folks want to listen to it as well. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, I'm I'm so looking over the next twelve months on the path that you're on mm-hmm. that we've spoken about. Is there anything that you kind of are going to divert from just to either concentrate on one particular thing or try something new in terms of you as a grown photographer and your business mm-hmm. uh in a nutshell i want to develop my store with more quality i mean in a couple of weeks time we're starting to record another big tutorial which is going to be focusing a lot on lighting and i want mm-hmm. to do a video showing how i do my lighting and the thing about that is i'm not going to be doing a video that shows all kinds of different kinds of lighting. I want people to watch this tutorial and go away and absolutely be able to nail this particular thing that I do. So we're going to be working on that. I'm looking at a new way of doing it. I am going to be doing training days. I'm not saying workshops. I'm saying training days, okay? And I've worked out since Photoshop World this year, I now know the best way for me to do those. And I think we touched on this before as well. Uh, where it's going to be a lighting, it's going to be predominantly a photography workshop, no retouching. The retouching will be given to the attendees, of which there will only be a maximum of eight to ensure that everybody gets quality. They will get a download given to them, whatever, files to go away with, so they can do the retouching in their own time. There'll be a forum that we can keep in touch with to get feedback on their retouching. But the actual workshop, training day type of things is going to be done in such a way, it's going to be done differently. It's going to be very, very different where it's almost going to be like a class and there will be, and I hate to say the word assessments, but I don't know how else to describe it. Nobody will leave until they know exactly how to go and sort of uh, repeat what they've done during the day. So that's that's what we're working on. That's going to be happening. It was going to be August. I'm going to speak to you about this because I know you're designing the poster for it. It's going to be September is when we're looking to do that. Uh, And I guess the other main thing really is my 40s project. That is really growing bigger than what I ever imagined it would do. And I see certainly over the next 12 months, I see that becoming some kind of a documentary kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Certainly there's going to be the exhibition, my first exhibition, but I actually see this becoming a documentary because, perfect example, this Sunday I'm photographing 10 elderly people who would have been children during the 1940s who were billeted to go and live on farms and live with people they didn't know. So I'm photographing these 10 people and I want to start interviewing these people, having them on camera, talking about what life was like and stuff. So I want to create this whole thing. In fact, talking about the photo shoot that I'm doing on Sunday... I'm doing it in such a way, um, and the the old the, the folks I'm photographing, they're wonderful people. What we're going to do? I'm going to an antique shops tomorrow and Saturday to pick yeah. up some items from the 40s. So if you imagine now, one of the one of the ladies who was a, a little girl during the time she was billeted, and she had a little doll that she used to have with her all the time. Now she's lost that doll now, but when I photograph her on Sunday, we're going to have the nice the canvas backgrounds. 
we're getting a new like an old looking table and a chair and she's gonna be sat there with an old doll on her lap oh, so you're wow. gonna get that real kind of juxtaposition there's a good word yeah of something as a child in the arms of somebody old and it's going to be a real kind of that's where that's where my photography is developed i think now the lighting i am really confident with I'm always looking to tweak it, but I'm confident with. Now, all my energy, because I've concentrated on one style of photography, Yeah. my energy now is put into what do I want to get out? What do I want to portray in this picture? And I love that. I really love that. Yeah. I love the research side. Even when yeah. I do design, I love the research side. I think it's great. So, all right, we'll wrap it up because we've done an cool. hour. I think we've covered a lot of content. I just want to say, before we get any comments about this episode, I apologise if anybody thinks that this was like a an advert for Glenn. It wasn't. This was genuinely, I think we've both been talking a lot lately and we actually almost do a podcast episode without recording it mm. when we talk about this stuff. And and I've been saying to Glenn, we ne- I'd like you to share that because the feedback we get from people is, oh, I'm really glad you did that episode where you mentioned that because it made me get off my ass and I've gone off and done this mm. and it's been really successful. And, and I think that's nice that we've been getting that kind of feedback and that's what I want this podcast to do is help. So thank you for like explaining a lot of that. Um, And I hope I got enough good content out of you that's (laughs) shareable. Um, We can edit this down to six minutes, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I just wanted to do that this week because we've had a bit of a break. We've had a lot of interviews and I think, you know, there's a lot of value in what we've built up over the eight years together and, and I know you know, I learned so much from you and I know you learned so much from your peers. So thanks for going through that. And uh, I hope everyone's sort of enjoyed it or got some little nugget out of it. Uh, we will be having Thanks a few for dropping interviews. that on my lap. Did you before yeah, we that's started? Right. I, I didn't tell him till tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a few interviews lined up over the next couple of weeks yes. as well, which yep. we're really excited about. Um, but no, thank you to, apart from our sponsors, Westcott and JP Distribution, uh, thanks for their support thank you for all the lovely emails we've been getting special thanks to all the people who've been downloading because we've hit some great milestones yeah, along we really the way have. Yeah. Uh, we were, there's a big one we're going to share when we get to it but up to now we're really pleased with with how it's been going and the kind of responses we've been getting so thank you for listening subscribing you know please share on social media please mention it to your friends we do really appreciate it and You've got- to, to end on repeating what Robbie Williams said, this will be my last comment. You can live in the light or you can live in the dark. You choose. Here endeth the lesson. <laughs> so, earn, so what you're saying is earn enough to pay your electricity bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah, thank you. See you next week. So looking forward now, um, you're on this path that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. Over the kind of next 12 months... Is there anything... I don't know why I'm laughing, sorry. I know, I don't know why you're laughing. Is, is there... <laughs> Go on, do it again, do it again. Okay. So looking over the next... <laughs>